Hello, everybody, and welcome. It is time once again for the Jack Wagon Sports Podcast. Still down to only two members, but we got we, we traded him this week. We got Slade back from his vacation slash working schedule, and Nick goes on vacation this week. So, I mean, it must be nice. You guys just always going on vacation. Um, but no, we're, we're glad to have Slade back. Hope Nick is enjoying his time at the beach uh, and hasn't jumped off that second floor balcony just yet. <laughs> um, had a action-packed weekend all across sports this past weekend. Uh, NASCAR had their playoff race at Kansas. IndyCar wrapped up their season. Uh, we had week one of the NFL. Uh, we had week two of college football, uh, and we have lots of storylines to go along with all of it. Uh, so let's get right into it, and we're going to throw it over to NASCAR, where Bubba Wallace uh, wins his second career race. Uh, you could argue his, his first straight-up uh, race as his first race win at Talladega was a rain-shortened race. But nonetheless, he, he put a lot of doubters to bed this past weekend. Uh, you know, a lot of people argued that he just wasn't able to get anything done on the racetrack. Um, you know, he it was his luck, it was his skill, wh- whatever you want to say about it. But he goes out there, he becomes the second consecutive uh, non-playoff driver to win a playoff race behind Eric Jones last weekend at Darlington. Slay, just your thoughts on the race real, real quick and, and Bubba Wallace picking up his second career win. Yeah, so I first off, I just think it's crazy that he was able to switch cars and and basically win right away, right? This is his second race in the car. Um, I I think it would have been interesting to see had Kurt Busch been healthy enough to come back. I mean, this would have put him into the second round as an automatic uh, win. So it it's a lot. Um, I am really just based on this past weekend, really worried about the Fords and if they're even going to have a chance with the rest of this season. I mean, they've just had a rough go at it. I mean, they're coming to Bristol this weekend. Um, I think that, I mean, what, they raced in the dirt earlier this season, and it was Tyler Reddick and I think Chase Briscoe that were involved in an accident, like, right at the last lap there, and Kyle Busch ended up getting the win. But I think Chase Briscoe was, like, one of the only Fords running in the top five throughout that part of the race. So it'll be, obviously, that was with dirt, but... It just seems like the Fords and, or I mean, the uh, Chevys and the Toyotas have really been able to move quick with the new cars that they're working with this year, and Ford is just not able to catch up. Yeah, the highest finishing Ford this past week was Ryan Blaney in ninth place. Uh, but yeah, I totally agree with you, and we've noticed that the whole year where it's been the, the Chevys and Toyotas lapping Fords left and right. Uh, Ford started to come on there. Kind of towards the end of the regular season, Harvick picked up his two wins. Uh, you know, he had Cindric battling for wins. Blaney was battling for wins. Like it oh, looked nice. like Ford, yeah, had finally turned a corner and it was heading in the right direction. And now all of a sudden we get to the playoffs, and I don't know, Chevy and Toyota just you know had that much data from the first couple races here, or just had these up like upgrades and, and you know stocked up ready to go. But yeah, uh, Ford is really struggling. Uh, we take a look here at the playoff uh, points real quick. Heading into the cutoff race at Daytona, uh, I did not have Harvick being one of the first four out, but two DNFs back-to-back, uh, some rotten luck at Darlington, and especially last week as well, uh, has him in danger. But we're heading to a track where he has uh, an average finish of 8.9 in his last 11 races on regular Bristol, not dirt Bristol. Um, and we saw last year, he almost won the race, you know, he got caught up with it with, Chase Elliott late, Kyle Larson's able to get by him. So it's definitely a track that he knows how to win. He knows how to win in pressure situations. Uh, so he's not out by any means, but it's absolutely a, a winner-go-home scenario for him. 
Uh, we look at the rest of the guys. Kyle Busch, two points below the cutoff line. Again, he he loves Bristol. I think he'll be okay. He should get a really strong finish here. Uh, Austin Dillon, three points back. Chase Briscoe, nine points back. Uh, so, Slade, looking at the point standings, heading into the final round of 16, uh, who are your, your four going home? Yeah, so I think that it, it looks pretty up and up. I think that Kyle Busch, we saw the good news. He signed with RCR for this upcoming season. Um, I think that that's going to take a lot of pressure off him. He's not going to have to hear as many questions. I mean, the guy's showing up to the track, and everyone's just like, oh, we heard you're going to this team. Oh, we heard they're going to this team. Like, what's going on? He's like, I have not even talked to these teams. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that we're going to see Suarez or Chastain. I think one of those two, it's looking like just based on their points now, I think Suarez would be the one that would drop down. I think Kyle Busch is going to get a good finish this upcoming weekend at Bristol, being the winner earlier in the season. Obviously, it was on a different surface. But, um, yeah, so I think the bottom three kind of stay the same. And then I think that uh, Kyle Busch is able to switch it out with Bush Suarez or even Austin Sindrick just because, like I said, the Fords are just having a rough time right now. Yeah. Um... And that, that would be all three of the Fords that made it into the playoffs if Sindrick falls out. No, you still got Logano and Planey up there. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, but I, I think Reddick, if Reddick can hang on this week uh, and stay in the points, he's absolutely a threat going forward. We're going to uh, Charlotte here in a few weeks, which he has proven he's done really well in the road courses this year, uh, especially the weird layout ones like Indy, uh, where he won earlier this year. Um, and so, if he can survive this week, he's absolutely a threat to make it to the round of eight. Um, yeah, I. Again, Harvick is in a winner-go-home situation. Uh, we'll have to see what kind of car uh, Rodney brings for him. Uh, I think Briscoe and Dylan are out. Uh, I've said that from the beginning of the playoffs. Briscoe, ever since he won at Phoenix, and he, uh, like we just talked about, he had that run-in with Reddick at Bristol Dirt. He hasn't been consistent all year, hasn't had great finishes. Um, I, I understand this is rookie year. I'm not trying to harp on him. I just, I just don't think he has enough right now to push himself further into the playoffs. Um I think Bush does get back in. Like you said, there's a lot of pressure off of him. Um, but not only that, like I, he's just been having a lot of fun in the race car here lately. And again, I think Bristol is one of his best tracks. Uh, so I see him uh, getting back up into the, the top 12 here. Uh, I would agree with you that, yes, yeah, Sindrick or Suarez are probably the one of the two there that is going to get knocked down. Suarez just has to run a decent race and stay out of trouble. The problem is trouble has been finding him here lately. Um you know, through none of his own fault, really, but and that that's what Bristol turns into. That's what makes it such an exciting race to have as a cutoff race is there's two lap cars racing in front of you and they could just take each other out. Uh, you know, we can have a situation last year like Kevin Harvick pissing off Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott just comes out and holds him up and lets his teammate go in to get the win. Um, <laughs> so there is definitely a lot of drama that's going to unfold this weekend, but I would say Chastain on up unless something serious happens. Uh, granted, none of these guys are essentially locked in, but – Unless Christopher Bell gets taken out lap one and, uh, you know, Kevin Harvick is on the win, he's not going to get knocked out. So, um, yeah, really we're looking at 10 down to 16 there is, is in danger. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I, would, I would probably put Reddick before I put Suarez just because – or, excuse me, uh, Sindrick before I put Suarez. Uh, I think Sindrick has shown a lot of speeds at the – or shown a lot of speed at the super speedway. Uh Short tracks, I really just haven't seen enough out of him for me to be like, yeah, okay, I think he'll be safe in Bristol this week. Um, so I'm going to go with Harvick, Briscoe, Dylan, and Cindric as, as my first four out. Um, moving on, 
the NASCAR schedule was just released, uh, actually right before we hopped on here. Uh, so we're going to talk about that here real quick. So this is your 2023 NASCAR schedule. Uh, they go back to the LA Coliseum for the clash at the Coliseum again, like they did this year. Uh, that'll be Sunday, February 5th, a week before the Super Bowl. Um, the duel at Daytona will be Thursday, February 16th, and the 500 will follow it up that Sunday on the 19th. Uh, then we head to Auto Club Speedway. Uh, I mean, I really wish it wasn't the short track. That's, but we talked about that before. Uh, then we head to L or Las Vegas and then Phoenix. Come back to Atlanta, go to Coda, uh, Richmond, which I am really surprised Richmond had two dates. Uh, there was a lot of talk about Richmond possibly losing one of their dates next year. Uh, I think that'll be almost a given uh, in 2024 that Richmond loses a date, especially with the TV contract coming up. Um, then we go to Bristol Dirt, uh, Martinsville on the Sunday race. A uh, little surprising that there will only they're they're not doing a, a night race at Martinsville this year. It will be Sunday races both times. Um, Dover on the April 30th, Kansas, Darlington, and then this was announced last week, uh, but I'm super excited for it. North Wilkesboro gets put back on the schedule, uh, and it will be the all-star race. They will not be uh, tearing down the, the track surface this year and running dirt races uh, this fall like they had originally planned. I'm kind of sad to see you go. I was, I was really hoping to see those, but hey, North Wilkesboro gets a NASCAR date, and it will be an all-star race. I'm super excited for that. I'll have to see how much tickets are and see if that's a possibility. Um, Coke 600 on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Gateway uh, is going to be on June 4th. Sonoma, June 11th. Then they have a bye week. And then this is where I'm presuming NBC will pick up the coverage like they normally do. Uh, we're going to Nashville, June 25th. Uh, the Chicago Street Race, July 2nd. Again, your thoughts about that. Um, Atlanta, July 9th. New Hampshire, July 16th. Pocono, July 23rd. Richmond for their second date, July 30th. At Really, it's really far up on the schedule. Um, mm-hmm. Michigan, August 6th. The Indy Road Course, August 13th. Watkins Glen, August 20th. So that's interesting there to see two road courses back-to-back uh, towards the end of the season there. And then the regular season cutoff race at Daytona on August 26th. Uh, Darlington kicks off the playoffs on September 3rd. Labor Day weekend again. Kansas, Bristol, that stays the same. Texas, Talladega, Charlotte, that stays the same as this year. Las Vegas, Homestead, and Martinsville, again, the same as this year. And the championship race will come at Phoenix once again on November 5th. Uh, so, Slade, just real quick before we move on to the NFL, uh, your thoughts on um, the, the schedule here? Yeah, so I think the, the biggest surprising thing to me is that they're going to go ahead and do the Clash of the Coliseum again. Um, just personally watching it last year, it looked like they got a, a decent amount of like people from the area. They brought in Pitbull. They brought in... a who was it, like Ice Cube or something like that, that also sang? Um, it just didn't seem like they really packed the place, though. Um, I'm I'm just, they must have had really great TV ratings for it. I mean, I like the race and everything, but to take all that time to put a track down and then tear it up because USC's playing on that field right now, right? Yeah. And then uh, to to then put it all back down again next year, I mean, they must have had really good margins off of that um like marquee event last year this or this year you know to be able yeah. to do it again yeah i mean it, w- it was a really cool event to watch i personally didn't think they were i, I think they announced this a little while ago though that they were going to go back mm-hmm. i didn't think they were, they were going to do it two years in a row just because like you said it, it, how much effort went into it um I'm, I'm thinking this year they're going to promote it a little bit better 
and we're, they're going to try and, and, you know, get those stands even more filled. Um, but I don't see this as being a, a thing that happens year in, year out going forward from here, uh, just because I, I feel like it's way too much work. Uh, USC is turning their program around. They're probably not going to like people driving or turning into a workforce. You have the Olympics coming up in a few years, probably going to need to keep the field in certain condition for that and stuff. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how long this continues, and we shall wait to see. Or maybe uh, maybe that's the reason as to why you bring up a good point about the Olympics. Um, a lot of money is given to the country that is per- performing the Olympics, you know? Um, so so maybe their plans are to just do whatever with the field over the next couple of years, and then they're just going to, you know, completely redo the, the field portion of it prior to the Olympics. I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. It definitely seems like a ton of work. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But my big takeaways, uh, like I said, I'm super excited for the North Wilkesboro race. That's going to be a lot of Mm -hmm. fun. And then, to me, the biggest change is Indy, Watkins Glen, and Daytona in three consecutive weeks. Um, That's just going to ratchet up the pressure heading into the playoffs that much more. Uh, They're definitely going for the the shock factor heading into the playoffs. Uh, We want a lot of surprise winners at the end of the year. Uh, So I am... Super excited for that. And we do shall you think? Do you think that we see Jimmy Johnson at uh, North North Wilkesboro for the All Star Race? He stated that he would love to run there, and that his sponsor in Indy, Carvana, mm-hmm. has told them that they will, or has told him that they'll sponsor him in any endeavor he does. Yeah, I mean, I definitely could see that happening. I don't know how strict they're going to be about trying to get him into the All Star Race. Yeah, he's won it in the past. It would as... be his tenth year. It's his last year of eligibility. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, yeah, he's a winner in the past, so he he fits the criteria to get in, but I don't know how strict they're going to be on, hey, you're not a full-time driver, Uh, you know, you shouldn't really be in here, we'll have to wait and see on that. I think he definitely runs at least a few NASCAR races next year. Um, His name's been thrown around that Project 91 car a lot. I don't think he's going to run that car, we'll have to wait and see it. It's a Chevy car. Um, Even Xfinity. Yeah. um, I think Hendrick just picks up an extra lease for next year or releases a charter to get him into a few races or just, you know, satellite team. uh, And he has to qualify into a few races. I can definitely see him running next year, uh, but we'll have to wait and see. But moving on, it is time to shift gears uh, into the NFL and review week one. Um, I thought it was a great week. Uh, We had a lot of exciting games. A lot of games go down to the final minutes. A few overtime games. We had a tie because the Texans are the Texans. Um, But let's look at some of the scores here from the games we picked last week. Uh, So first up, the Bills just throttled the Rams on Thursday Night Football to open the season. Um, Bills go up 31-10. I thought this game was going to be a lot closer. The Rams just could not move the ball at all. And... That's that's concerning going forward. There was a lot of talk of people upset, especially fantasy owners. Uh, Allen Robinson wasn't targeted much at all. Um, let's see, uh, Josh Allen throws 26-31 for 297 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, so he's off to an MVP caliber start. The question is, can he, can he keep up his consistency, which is the issue we've seen in years past? Um, probably the game of the week, I would say. Uh, we had Browns visiting Carolina. Uh, they kick a last-second field goal to win 26-24, spoiling Baker's revenge. Uh, this was a really good game back and forth the whole time. I thought Baker looked pretty decent. Uh, he goes 16-27 to for 235 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. 
I think the Panthers' biggest downfall was their run game. Uh, McCaffrey had 10 carries for 33 yards. Uh, that's not going to get the job done. They need to bolster up the offensive line a little bit. Um, but having a name like McCaffrey in the backfield, and he, he's healthy now, so you need to use him while you can. Uh, to only get 33 yards for sure. is, is concerning. <laughs> um, I think the surprise of the week came with the Vikings winning at home 23-7. to I, I don't think it was a surprise the Vikings won, but I think it was a surprise how bad they won by. Um, but uh, we saw this week one last year. Uh, the Packers got blown out by the Saints week one. Aaron Rodgers came out and said, oh, just relax. I think it's a little different than last year. Last year we knew what the, the Packers had. We knew how good of a team they were. Uh, you know, They just came out and got throttled week one. This year there's a lot of questions at wide receiver. Uh, they had – Big question marks on the offensive line, which I wasn't prepared for. Um, Rodgers goes 22-34 for 195 yards and one interception. He was sacked four times. And those sacks weren't, like, gentle, like, thrown down. He was, he was getting smashed. He was getting manhandled. Yeah. Um, so that that's concerning to see going forward for that team. I still think they'll be fine. I, I still see them as a playoff team. Um, I, just, I don't think the Vikings are that much better than them. If we see all this matchup in Week 10, I think it'd be a lot closer. I don't know what it is with the Packers the last two years that just they can't get it together week one, but we shall wait and see about that. Uh, but Cousins did look really good. He went 22, or excuse me, 23 of 32, 277 yards and two touchdowns. Um, he, he was spreading the ball around really well. Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook had a decent day in the backfield as well. Uh, so encouraging signs from Minnesota for this season. Um, Chiefs. Uh, blow out the Cardinals 44 to 21. Uh, it was a double XP weekend for Call of Duty, so a lot of people kind of saw this coming. Um, <laughs> but I, I honestly, I thought Kyler Murray looked really, really bad for, and I've said this for a while now. I think Kyler Murray is a good QB. He's he is a franchise QB. He's not a Super Bowl winning QB. He's not the guy to get you there. Uh, I don't think he's mature enough, and that's just not even talking about the Call of Duty stuff. I just think. In the game of football itself, uh, he, I don't think he's ready to be that guy yet. Uh, and we, we kind of saw that. Uh, Mahomes had a outstanding day. He goes 30 of 39 for 360 yards and five touchdowns. There's a lot of questions coming into this season with him losing Tyreek Hill. Like, hey, yeah, you can spread the ball around, but will your offense still be as, as good? Uh, he answered those questions week one. We'll have to see if they can keep that up throughout the rest of the season. Uh, Murray, by the way, went 22 of 34 for 193 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Trace McSworley got got some playing time. That was that was cool to see. Uh, yeah, let's go. Uh, moving on, we had the Chargers and the Raiders in a rematch of the final week of last year. Uh, this was a really good game. Uh, Chargers pulled out twenty four to nineteen. Herbert goes twenty six to thirty four for two hundred seventy nine yards and three touchdowns. It was a great fantasy day for me. Uh, Derek Carr. <laughs> Goes 22-37 for 295 yards, two touchdowns, but he also threw three picks. He was also sacked five times, and two of those sacks came on the final drive, and he fumbled the ball both times when he was sacked on that final drive. Um, so definitely big question marks on the offensive line for the Raiders. Um, if Carr can be consistent, and we have said this so many times in the past, if he could just be consistent, I think the Raiders would be a really good team. Um, the, the three picks killed them. They were having really decent drives, I think two of those picks. Um, and he just killed him. Uh, but the Chargers defense is legit, especially that front seven. Uh, you got Cleo Mack there, Joey Bosa. That defensive line was, was wreaking havoc. Their backwards were flying all over the place. Um, sort of similar to the Rams-Bills game. 
Yeah. Because Matthew Stafford threw three picks also. I mean, they had yeah. uh, good offense running. He just was destroying their, their momentum, kind of like you said with the Raiders. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, th- this Charger defense can definitely be one of the best in the league going forward. We shall wait and see. They have a big matchup this week. Uh, the Sunday night game, we had the Buccaneers visiting Dallas, uh, and that was a shit show. Uh, Dak Prescott left the game injured, broke his thumb. He will be out, I think, six weeks now. Um, and I don't, I don't think the Cowboys are going to win a game in that six weeks he's out. Uh, Brady went 18-27, 212 yards, one touchdown, one interception. To me, I, I think I think the Buccaneers dynasty in the, in the NFC South is going to come to an end this year after watching week one. Again, it's week one, and this is probably an overreaction. Um, but I didn't see enough out of that offense for me to be like, okay, yeah, these guys are going to be good. Uh, I, I was pretty concerned for this offense as a whole. I didn't think they were moving the ball all that well. Uh, and Brady's one touchdown pass was an absolutely miraculous play by Mike Evans on the outside. Um, so it could be a long year for the Buccaneers, uh, but I, I think that division as a whole is wide open right now, so they could easily uh, still squeak out a, uh, a division win. And the Monday night game was the debacle of the weekend. Uh, Seahawks win 17-16 because the Broncos don't know how to manage a clock, apparently. Um, Russell Wilson didn't look great. Uh, he had the one long touchdown pass to Jerry Judy, but that was it. Uh, he goes 29 of 42 for 340 yards in that one touchdown. Uh, Geno Smith actually looked really, really good for all the shit he got in the offseason. Uh, he goes 23 of 28 for 195 yards and two touchdowns. Um, I, I don't know if it's, it was week one or what, uh, or just the environment of everybody hating him in Seattle. I guess he thought he was going to be loved, uh, but everybody hated him. Uh, got booed coming out for warm-ups. I, Nick had said it a lot, and I tend to agree with him. I don't think he's the savior. I don't think he's the same quarterback he was when he came into the league and, and helped Seattle you know, to that early playoff success. Um, he's still a good QB. He's the best QB they've had since Peyton Manning left. Uh, is he worth all that money? No. Um, is he going to get them to the playoffs? Maybe not this year, but he will in the future. Uh, but again, I, I don't see him as a Super Bowl caliber quarterback anymore unless they can put enough pieces around him. Um, but Slade, just real quick, as I keep rambling here, uh, your thoughts on week one? Yeah, so I was really surprised that you didn't put the Bears game in here in the mudslide. Um, obviously, that wasn't one of the games that we had talked about, but I just thought that it was it was kind of funny to see that uh, that game. It came out that like the over under was like thirty four and a half or something like that, yeah. and Nick texted us about it, and it was like, oh, it's uh, you see people with like snow shovels shoveling water off of the grass field. I, I was driving home already, and I, I pulled over at a gas station, and I went in, and I put the last of my FanDuel money out on that, on the under for that, and then it was also raining at the Ravens-Jets game, and I was yep. like, I know they're playing on turf, but so I put the under on that, and that one hit too, so I, I ended my weekend on a high. Can't beat it. No. Yeah, I, I, I think like you said, um, I think Russell Wilson is is going to be able to keep the Broncos better than what they were without him here recently. But I don't see them being a team that is able to make a deep playoff run with him as their quarterback. Uh, I think that the statement that Geno Smith said, like, they wrote me off, but I didn't write back, was pretty cool. Um, just in the postgame stuff. Uh, it's it's really interesting to see. I'm anxious to see about the – we didn't really talk about it too much. Lamar Jackson, um, 
is still in contract talks um, for next season, obviously, because this is the end of his contract. And then you see Dak Prescott, who had gotten injured and then signed a contract, a big contract. It's just interesting to see if our team's going to start looking at that a little bit more, like these guys that are getting hurt. Because Lamar Jackson did get uh, hurt, what was it, two years ago? Yeah. So it'll, it'll just be, I'm more interested in like the money aspect of like what the guys like, because it just seems like there's blank checks being written for these guys <laughs> that don't seem like they should be getting that much, but I guess their stats may say otherwise. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I try not to judge too harshly on week one just because there's so many unknowns. There, there's so many teams that in the preseason, they hardly let their stars play together that much. Uh, and so it does definitely take a while to, to get a rhythm. And then you have injuries that pop up too. Uh, we've already seen a few guys that are going to be out for a serious amount of time. J, or, uh, TJ Watt is going to miss a few weeks now. Luckily, he doesn't need surgery, so he's not going to be out for the full season. Um, so that's good news for Steelers fans. Dak Prescott is going to be out for six weeks now. Uh, and so week one is just a, a complete crapshoot. But going forward, I, week two, I, I think we're going to definitely get a little bit better of an understanding of where teams are sitting in, in across the NFL as a whole. I think it's obvious the Bills and the Chiefs are one and two in, in the AFC right now. Um, we thought the Rams would be number one. Was week one was week one a fluke, or are, are they really going to be that bad this year? Is the NFC West as a whole going to be that bad this year? Uh, we see here the top two projected teams scored 31 points. The 49ers uh, scored 10, so that gives you 51 points. 68 points, the, the entire division scored. So that's not great news <laughs> looking at that. Um, but like I said, we it's so hard to judge teams a week one, especially, you know, for, from – I don't even know what I'm going to say there. But I, I'm well, just quick question, not, just yeah. without judging week one, um, just based on players, you know, Josh Allen had a really good game, but threw, I think, two picks. Um, but then you have Patrick Mahomes, who maybe didn't have uh, as, as many passes as Allen, but – still was able to go with the one touchdown pass and zero interceptions. Just as an early thought, do you think one of them is a better favorite for MVP just off week one, obviously? Uh, so Mahomes actually threw more passes. He had five touchdowns. Oh, did he? Yeah. Um, a better pa- passer rating? Yeah. Um, so I I think the, the caliber of def- defense that the Bills brought definitely lends itself to, you could argue, more. Um, but I, I think heading into week two, the Bills play the Titans, which I would argue has a better defense than the Rams. Uh, I mean, you could say all you want about the, the secondary, with especially with Jalen Ramsey. I think Jalen Ramsey is a little bit overrated. I'm not saying he's bad. He's one of the best corners in the league. Uh, but he's definitely not, you know, the, the, the cream of the crop like everybody treats him, treats him to be. Uh, we saw in the playoffs last year multiple times he got burnt giving up touchdowns. This past week against the Bills, Stefan Diggs burned him a few times. He had one pass deflection, and it was like a shitty pass by Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was talking shit. I'm like, hey, and then like, I think, I it was think it's more next. out of a respect for who he was when he played for the Seahawks. You know, yeah. Like, I don't think uh, that, like you said, I don't think that he he is like this godly player. Like, like it seems like people are like, oh, he's the best at the position or something. You know, yeah. that was that was Sherman, by the way. Ram- Ramsey played for the. Uh, oh yeah, shit. Sorry. Get it together. God damn. Jesus. Same position. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but I no, I feel like he is Richard Sherman 2.0. Like, yeah, he, he can be really good in some situations, but he's 
he's not the best. And I think he'll make a great play here and there. And everybody's like, oh, yep, we're going to put your name at the top of this list. And, you know, you're the best. I don't see him as that. But, I mean, that again, that's just my opinion. Uh, moving on, it is time to give you our week two preview. Uh, real quick before we do move on, our game pick uh, standings in the NFL after week one. Slate goes a whopping two and five. Uh, Nick I'll goes watch the NFL. <laughs> Nick goes four and three. Uh, and I lead the way at five and two. It was a really good weekend for me picking this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll uh, caught up in college too. Then, yeah. Um, but it is time for our week two picks. Uh, we'll get right into it here. The very first game up we have on Thursday night: the Chargers visit the Chiefs. This will be eight fifteen. This is going to be on Prime Video on Amazon. Uh, they're not doing CBS, NBC, anything like that. It is strictly on Prime Video uh, this year. Kansas City opens as a four-point favorite. The over-under is set at 54. Uh, with Nick not here, we'll go ahead and get his pick first. And he takes the Chiefs. Uh, Slade, who do you got? Yeah, I'm going with the Chiefs also. I am. Uh, I think that Patrick Mahomes is really going to have a good year. Yeah. I think this is going to be a shootout. Uh, I, I said this a couple times last week, and I turned out to be wrong. But I, I definitely feel like it's going to be a shootout. Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes can sling the ball around. It's going to come down to whose defense can play better. I think the Chargers defense plays a little bit better. I, again, I think their front seven is one of the best in the league. Uh, has nothing fun. to do with him playing for Oregon. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I think the Chargers get it done on the road. Um, but a great early season matchup, especially on a Thursday night, you know, for one of the toughest divisions in the NFL. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game. Moving on, uh, we go to our Sunday games. Miami visiting Baltimore on 1 p.m. This will be on CBS. Baltimore opens as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is set at 44-and-a-half. Uh, Nick goes with Miami, which I thought was a little shocking, but uh, I guess he loves to attack, but I don't. Mm-hmm. Oh, I already gave your pick away, but you took the Ravens. Yeah, I think that, I think that uh, Lamar Jackson is really going to try and perform well this year just because he is in contract talks for next season. So I think he's, he's going to really set himself up nicely for that. Uh, and just real quick, just shout out Jesse. Uh, I love your little beer koozie I got at the wedding. Um, <laughs> I go with the Ravens as well. Uh, this MNC Bank is a very underrated um, atmosphere, I guess is the way you would put it. Uh, and I, I think this offense is going to be one of the best. If they can stay healthy, one of the best in the NFL, especially with J.K. Dobbins uh, back from injury. Um they definitely showed spurts of greatness against the Jets, but they also showed where they need to improve. I think with a week of practice, a week of game film, uh, I just don't see enough from the Dolphins outside of Tua throwing the Tyreek uh, for me to say, yep, th- this is this is a team ready to take that next step, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm going to take the Ravens at home. Uh, next up, we have the Patriots visiting the Steelers. Uh, this will be Sunday on CBS at 1 p.m. as well. Uh, New England opens as a point and a half favorite. The over-under is set at 40 and a half. Uh, the key news for this is Mac Jones will be out of the game. Uh, but Nick's pick, and he goes with the Steelers. Uh, Slade, who do you got? Yeah, I'm interested to see if the over-under, or I mean the uh, spread changed at all with that Mac Jones uh, news, you know. I'm, I'm also going to go with Nick and pick the Steelers, though. Yeah, uh, I looked at it right before we went on when I made all this stuff, uh, mm-hmm. and that's what the spread was, so... Uh, yeah, it'll be curious. To oh, see. I believe you. I'm just yeah. saying that you would think after a day or so, people are going to start hammering the Steelers, and and they're going to change that. <laughs> yeah, I should probably get my bets in before. Um, <laughs> I also go with the Steelers here as well. I I believe Mitch. Mitch is a great QB. Um, he led them to a win against Cincinnati. He looked decent. 
he's not an overly flashy QB. He's not a Mahomes. He's not a, a Justin Herbert, but he's a quarterback that can go in there and get the job done. And I think the Steelers start 2-0 and to start the season. Uh, moving on, another divisional game. We have the Buccaneers visiting the Saints. This will be 1 p.m. on Fox. Tampa Bay opens as a 2.5-point favorite. The over-under is set at 44. Uh, Nick goes with the Saints at home. Slade, who do you got? Yeah, I'm going with the Bucs. I think that Tom Brady is going to be able to get his offense moving this week. I'm interested to see what you think just based on how you uh, talk about their offense from this past week. Yeah, I'm going with the Saints. Uh, I think Jameis Winston is, is a great QB. I think this will be a surprising team for the first few weeks, and then we've seen it before. They're, they're good, and then either Jameis will get hurt or this offense will just fall flat, flat on their face. Uh, but with Jameis throwing the Chris Olave, uh, I, I think this offense is a little bit too much for the Bucks defense. And again, I don't see enough out of that Bucks offense. Again, it was just week one. Um, Brady didn't play the whole preseason. So again, it could have just been a fluke. But until the Bucks prove to me that they have a, a really potent offense, I, I just don't see enough for them for me to take them over the Saints. If they played the Falcons or they played the Panthers, I would definitely take the Bucks there. But I just don't see enough there yet. Did you see Jameis's uh, post game presser with the talking about his pain? I did not know. So they asked him what his thoughts were on the game, and he said, "You know, we just had a hard fought game. Like we really, we really stuck it out and got the win. I was in a lot of pain." And they go to ask, and they say, "Where was the pain?" And he just looks at the camera and said, "The pain was everywhere." <laughs> like I think that's his way of not giving out that like he was hurting a specific spot, but it was yeah. just funny because it was like almost like Mike Tyson esque when he says like. He's like spinal. <laughs> uh, and then real quick, I just did look up Mac Jones injury. Um, he's not 100% ruled out for this weekend. He is doubtful though. Uh, they will have, wait and see how he's feeling. I guess it'll be a game time decision. Um, moving on. When we put this game down, when we talked about it on Sunday, looking ahead, we thought, Oh yeah, this is going to be a great game. Dak Prescott gets injured. I think all of us are, are on the same wagon here. Uh, but yeah, the Bengals visiting the Cowboys. This will kick off the four o'clock slate of games on CBS. Uh, Cincinnati opens as a touchdown favorite. The over/under is at forty-one and a half. Nick goes with the Bengals. Uh, slate, who do you have? Yeah, I think with the Dak news, I think the Bengals are going to easily be able to get at least a touchdown win here. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the Bengals as well. I think their offense, and especially the wide receivers, are going to be way too much for the Dallas secondary alone. And with Dallas not having an offense outside of Zeke. Uh, I, I don't see this going very well for them this weekend. Uh, next up, we have the Bears visiting the Packers. Uh, this will be the Sunday night game on NBC. Green Bay opens as a 10-point favorite. The over-under is set at 42. Um, Nick takes Green Bay here, which isn't surprising. Slade, who do you have? Yeah, I'm going the same. Uh, I think it's more or less – I think Green Bay didn't play very well last week. I think that this is actually going to be a pretty close game. I think the 10-point spread is ridiculous at this point. but uh. I just did it to be opposite of what you were going to pick. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I definitely agree with the 10-point spread being a little much. I think this is going to be a very close game. These games between these two teams always are, no matter how good or bad the, the other team is. Uh, it always comes down to the wider. You get that in rivalry games, whether it's college, NFL, whatever it may be. Uh, it's going to be a close, hard-fought game. I'm super excited for it. Uh, I just don't believe enough in the Bears yet. Um, yeah, we got a week wow. one win. Yeah, it was, it was against a team that, you know, you could argue it has a chance to win the NFC West. I think Trey Lance just wasn't ready for the moment. Uh, you could argue the elements were involved, whatever. Um, but I, I have learned before to not have hope in this team, and I'm not going to start now just because we won week one. I still think we're only going to win five game stops. 
and I don't think we're going to win at Green Bay uh, week two. I, I think I'm calling bullshit. I think that you wanted us all three to vote for the Packers so that we jinx the Packers and the Bears win. No, that's how it works. I think, <laughs> no, I think Rodgers is going to come out pissed off this week. Uh, yeah. He's going to be a little upset, and I, I, I think at home it's just going to be too much for the Bears. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I, I honestly am picking the Packers. Honorable. Here. Yeah. Um, moving on to the first of two Monday night games, we have the Titans visiting the Bills. This will be at 7.15 on ESPN. Buffalo opens as a 10-point favorite. The over-under is set at 49. I, again, I think I know who we're all picking here. Nick takes the Bills. Slade, who do you have? Uh, yeah, I'm going with the same. I think Josh Allen is going to be on a tear this season. I think he's got the offense. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a fun game. Yeah. Uh, I'm going with the Bills at home as well. I think Ryan Tannehill is finally just showing how trash he is. I gave it two more weeks, and I, I think Malik Willis is in a QB. Um that offense did not look good at all. Derrick Henry didn't look that good. Uh, so I, I said this before the season. I, I think Derrick Henry's shelf life is coming close to expiring, whether it's just the teams are figuring out how to scheme against him or his his production is just going to decline. Um, so I'm, I'm not excited for his season going forward. And he might prove us wrong. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, so all of us are taking the bills at home. And the final Monday night game, we have the Vikings visiting the Eagles. This definitely has potential to be game of the week. Uh, the Eagles game against the Lions last week turned out to be super exciting, uh, 38-35. I was I couldn't believe the Lions scored that many points. Um, but so this will be Monday night on 8.30 p.m. on ABC. Uh, Philly opens as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is set at 50-and-a-half. Uh, Nick takes the Vikings slate. Who do you got? Yeah, I'm going Vikings also. I think that they're going to be able to, to really grind this one out and get the win. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Eagles at home. I, I think – just from what I saw from that offense in week one, they definitely have the potential uh, to, to be one of the best teams in the NFC this year. A lot of people are putting money on them to win the Super Bowl. I'm not doing that yet. I don't think they're quite that good. Uh, but, I mean, we've seen some some of the heavy favorites in the NFC already stumble this year. But, again, it was week one. Uh, they definitely need to clean up the defensive side of the ball. You can't give up 35 points to the Lions. But, you know, I think the Lions have just got, undergone that much turnover the past year. Um, they could threaten for the NFC North, especially if the Packers continue to struggle. Um, but I think this is a high-scoring game. But what it came down to for me is it's a primetime game with Kirk Cousins involved. Uh, so I, I just have him losing. Um, and so that will be our eight games that we picked for week two. Um, and super excited for that. Uh, so that wraps up our NFL. We're going to shift over to college football now and review week two. Uh way more exciting than week one was. And I, I said this to, to Nick the other day, like I, I thought week one was exciting. I think we were texting in the group chat, like it, this turned out, but I mean, this, this is what college football is all about. Uh, so we're going to go over the games that we picked on our Saturday morning show. If you guys want to follow along with those picks, uh, make sure you tune in 8 a.m. Uh, every Saturday on our YouTube channel. Uh, if we are looking for guest pickers, we had our first guest picker, guest picker this past <laughs> weekend. Um, and so if, you are interested in doing that and, and joining us. Uh, shoot us a DM uh, or comment on our, our YouTube if you want to join and be a guest picker. Uh, we would love to have you on. Um, but here are the 10 games we picked. Uh, first up, we had South Carolina visiting Arkansas. Uh, th this game was a little bit closer than what the scoreboard says. Um, Arkansas just jumped out early to a good lead. Spencer Rattler tried to fight back uh, and claw South Carolina back into that game. It was just too much too early. Uh, Arkansas gets a big win, 44-30 to at home. 
Uh, Nick had this as his upset of the week. I called it from the beginning. It wasn't going to be. Uh, we had Wake Forest beating Vanderbilt 45-25. to Sam Hartman returned. I talked a lot about this on Saturday. Uh, I was super excited to see him back. He goes 18 of 27 for 300 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, definitely some things he needs to clean up, but he looked really, really good for his first game back. Uh, I'm super excited to see how he does this season. Game of the week, and we'll talk about it a little bit more in a minute. Uh, Alabama visiting Texas. Uh, it goes down to the wire. Alabama squeaks out a last-second win, 20-19 to over Texas. Uh, Mizzou and Kansas State renewing their Big 12 rivalry game. Uh, Kansas State just throttles them 40-12. to And Wisconsin getting upset at home, I, and I called this, uh, by Washington State, 17-14. to So before we go to the next five games, Slade, just your thoughts on any of the games here. Um, and I know you want to talk about Texas. I just, I just want to say that had Texas won, I would have won a lot of money because they were, <laughs> they were favorite. I mean, Alabama was favorited to win by twenty and a half. I think. I think yeah. that we had talked about. Uh, Jesse was like, um, I was watching your guys's Saturday show while I was at work, and uh, I was messaging back and forth with Jesse, and and he was like, Texas is not back, like they're. And uh, they're they're gonna lose or whatever. And I was like, hey, they gave him twenty points. Like, I mean, I didn't think that it was gonna be this close, obviously. But it was interesting to see that with their backup quarterback, they were able to still keep it close. You know? Yeah, uh, I, I think that's a huge testament to their defense uh, and just how underprepared Alabama was. I mean, everybody talks a lot about how they hardly ever schedule road non-conference games, and hey, this is why you know they go into a hostile environment; they can't handle it. I would argue against that. I They play plenty of road games in the SEC. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, they struggle on the road there as well. We well, we saw this from this team last year is they, for some reason, just seem to get off to sluggish starts. Uh, and they did not play as up to a national championship capability on this past weekend. Um, is it concerning going forward? Not really for me. I think their schedule ahead gets much, much easier even their SEC schedule. For me, the biggest question marks are Ole Miss and Tennessee. Uh, outside of that, we saw Texas A&M stumble this past week. I don't think that's enough of a threat to them, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. As far as Texas being back, I, they're not. And the reason you... I'm saying <laughs> sorry, yeah, the, the reason I'm saying they're not is, one, Quinn Ewers is now out four to six weeks. Um, but to, for me, we have seen this in so many years past. Or they'll, they'll either get a big upset win to start the year or they'll play a team really close like this, uh, and then they'll go on the struggle from there. Last year, they were 4-0. They walked into the Oklahoma game. Uh, they were winning that Oklahoma game by three scores. Oklahoma comes back and beats them. They only won one game the rest of the year. Um, uh, am I saying that's what's going to happen this year? No. I think they're definitely going to play a lot better this year. They're going to have a better record. Um, but they're not back to competing for a college football playoff um, spot, in, in my eyes. Uh, I need to see consistent growth out of them before I go, hey, Texas is back. Um, what were you going to say? At any point during that game, did you even think about the fact that if they beat Alabama, like, <laughs> uh, and, and just the rest of their season, that you were possibly, like, getting closer to that tattoo? Or or no? <laughs> it might might have crossed my mind a few times. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, the big thing with Ewers, uh, so like you just said, he's out four to six weeks. The next four to six weeks are not easy for, for Texas. Uh, they get UTSA at home. Uh, UTSA is a great program. Uh, you know, that, that could be trouble, especially with the backup QB. And they go to Texas Tech. 
Texas Tech is a very, very good team. Uh, they play uh, a very tough NC State team this week. If they can pull off that upset, they're going to have a lot of momentum going into that Texas game. Uh, so Texas could be in trouble there. Uh, they get West Virginia at home. Uh, West Virginia has a very good offense, but their defense is very bad. Uh, as we saw, they just lost to Pitt and Kansas back-to-back. And then they get the Red River rivalry in the fourth week. Um, and if Quinn Ewers is not back for that, that, that could be disastrous for them, depending on how Card is playing. He stepped into that game on Saturday, went 14-22 for 158 yards. So, I mean, he you're a Division One quarterback, and you got recruited to go to Texas. Like, you're, you're, you're not terrible, but you're definitely not the best of the best. Um, if he misses week five, that'll or excuse me, the fifth week, uh, that's Iowa State at home. Um, I don't think this Iowa State is, is the team that went to the Fiesta Bowl two years ago, but they're still a very good team. Uh, they like to pull off a lot of upsets, especially on the road in the Big Ten or excuse me, Big 12. And if he is out for the sixth week, uh, he will miss the Oklahoma State game, which is at Oklahoma State. Uh, And so there's a lot of very tough games in that that stretch there. If he misses them, it could be big trouble for Texas. Um, The seventh week then is their bye week. So, I mean, I understand they want him back. Depending on how Card is playing, they might try and rush him back. But if Card's playing really well, if they're still winning games, um, I could definitely see them sitting – depending on how bad his injury is, they could definitely sit Ewers until the bye week uh, and, and go from there. Uh, but we shall wait and see. Uh, but, yeah, I, again, I, I thought it was It's very... in his non-throwing arm. So I, I yeah. think that, like you said, there is a good possibility that if if the backup's not playing well, that they could rush him back for two weeks prior to the bye week, mm-hmm. have him play for two weeks at, like, a 90% level, you know, and then right. have a week off again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the other thing outside of that is just how bad the officiating officiating was. Uh, I mean, yeah, it definitely favored Alabama a little bit more, but there was missed calls against Texas as well. Across the board, I just thought the officiating was terrible left and right. I mean, everybody points to the, the missed safety or intentional grounding or roughing the pass, whatever you want to call it that happened in the end zone. Um, yeah, that was that was a messed up call, but from every direction. Um, but there was tons and tons. There was a missed holding call on Alabama's uh, – Touchdown drive there towards the end. Um, but, yeah, I would say that the repping definitely favored Alabama a little bit. But they they tried their best to balance it by by missing a few calls for Texas. So, uh, moving on to the next set of games here. Uh, Tennessee and Pitt had an instant classic game, 34-27 to in overtime. Uh, Keaton Slovis had to go out in, uh, right before the first half ended. Did not come back for the second half. They have not announced. Um if he's going to miss this week or what's going on, they haven't even said what his injury was. Um, their backup QB came in, and he got hurt in the beginning of the fourth quarter, but he stuck it out and limped around the rest of the game. Um, so you love to see that in college football. But huge win for Tennessee. Uh, definitely stings for Pitt. They they were up, I think, I want to say it was two scores early, and Tennessee just fought back uh, and was able to pull off the win there. Iowa State and Iowa in one of the worst football games ever. Uh, Brandon, I'll give it to him. It was a torrential downpour. Uh, my favorite part was when they cut the Kirk Ferentz standing on the sideline, and he's in a white polo that you can completely see through. Um, <laughs> but Iowa State gets a big win, 10-7 over Iowa. Uh, it's time to fire Brian Ferentz. We said this last week, but you know, it was week one. Um, if Kirk Ferentz doesn't do something soon, his job might be on, on the hot seat as well. Uh, but we shall wait and see. Uh, Kentucky over Florida, 26-16. Uh, to 16. Florida talked a lot of shit, and I said it last week before the game. They were ranked too high too soon. Yeah, I understood they, they upset a number seven team, or I believe it was number seven. 
Um, they deserve to be ranked. They did not deserve to be ranked uh, above 15. Um, but here they were. They were ranked 12th, and they lose to a 21st-ranked Kentucky. Uh, you had a really good week last week of calls. I did. Yeah. It's gonna be hard to it's gonna be hard to keep that up, you know, because you oh, had absolutely. Like multiple games where you you had said and it, it ended up, you know, coming true. Yeah. But um yeah. I I've never understood a, a team like if they would have upset Alabama or something, yeah, hey, put them in the in the top ten even. It was it was a number seven team. It was week one. Um you were at home, it wasn't even a road win. Yeah, you deserve to be ranked. Twelve was way too high. Uh, and we saw that backfire. Um, Arizona State uh, loses on the road to Oklahoma State, 34-17. And you could argue game of the week. It was our game of the week. Uh, BYU and Baylor go to double overtime and cost me $2,000 goddamn dollars. Um, BYU picks up the 26-20 win in double overtime. Uh, the kickers just did not want to make a field goal. Uh, BYU's kicker missed two field goals late, uh, and Baylor's kick. Baylor's kicker missed a field goal in overtime. Um, just your thoughts on these games, Lee? Yeah, so I'm pretty sure I went three and seven this week in college football. So it was a rough week for me. Um, I also had Arizona State covering the eleven and a half uh, favor that Oklahoma State went into the game with, and I mean, I think that the score looks closer than what the actual game was based on what I got to watch before going to bed. Um, I was really surprised at the BYU-Baylor game. I mean, I know, uh, I believe Nick picked BYU, and you and I picked Baylor, but I I just didn't see it going double overtime like that. uh, We all picked Baylor. Uh, No, I didn't either. Um, I thought Baylor's offense would be a lot better. And just a word of advice to anybody out there listening, if you have a 10-leg parlay, okay, and you're getting ready to go to bed, and the last game is a 10-15 night game that kicks off, and you need Baylor to win. And when you go to bed, they are losing. Cash out your goddamn parlay. I was nine and zero up until that point. I fell asleep because I was. Did you was even asleep. look to see what the cash out would have looked like? No, I did because I completely uh, forgot that I yeah. cashed out. But just future reference for anybody: if, if you've hit nine out of ten legs on a parlay, that last leg will not hit. You need to cash out. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't learn. Um, but yeah, no, I, Baylor's uh, offense just could not get anything going. Blake Shippen, who we thought could really power this team to being a clear uh, playoff contender just did not happen. Um, BYU gave up 137 yards uh, in the air uh, and 152 rushing yards. Um, that is, that is a scary good defense. They were feeding off the energy of that crowd. Uh, and, you know, they did just enough to, to keep Baylor at bay um, to the Tennessee game real quick. Uh, so Tennessee and Pitt had 831 yards of total offense combined which is not indicative of a 34-27 game. Usually when you see numbers like that, it's it's up and higher than that. Um, Tennessee definitely needs to improve their rush defense of if they want a chance to con- contend in the SEC East. Uh, Pitt was gashing them left and right with runs. Uh, so when you get to Georgia and, and Kentucky and especially Alabama games like that, you can't let them run the ball o- all over you. Otherwise, you're doomed from the, from the get-go. Um, but – uh, like we just said, Keaton Slovis left the game. It's not clear if he's going to play this weekend. They play at Western Michigan. Uh, it could definitely be a good opportunity to rest them, but we shall wait and see. Um, but yeah, week, week two of college football was was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, it'll make week three even more exciting. We have a lot of great games. Uh, we've already had the, the 10 that we're going to pick. Um, so if you want to see that, make sure you tune in 
Saturday morning, 8 a.m. on our YouTube. Um, our updated standings for game picks in our cash-out section in college football. We are all tied at 17 and 10 after this past week. Uh, Slade, you went 5 and 5. Uh, oh, Nick did goes, I? Yeah. Nick goes 6 and 4, and I went 9 and 1. Uh, again, if you go to bed before your bets are done, just cash out. Um, as far as cash out, uh, our standings there, I believe we all went 1 and 1 again. Actually, you went 0 and 3. Uh, so Nick sits at 9 and 5. Uh, I sit at 6 and 8, and Slade sits at 5 and 10. Uh, before we let you guys go, we're going to give you the updated top 25 and discuss it here a little bit. Um, so Oregon slides into the top 25 um, at 25th. Texas A&M drops to 24th. Pittsburgh drops to 23rd. Penn State uh, gets into the rankings. They jump up to 22nd. Texas gets put in the rankings after losing. Uh, they go up to 21st. Ole Miss sits at 20th. Wake Forest 19th. Florida drops to 18th. Baylor 17th. Uh, North Carolina State is at 16th. Tennessee jumps up to 15th. Utah uh, sits at 14th. Miami sits at 13th. BYU jumps all the way up to 12th, giving us a top 25 matchup with them visiting Oregon this weekend. Uh, Michigan State sits at 11th. Arkansas sits at 10th. Kentucky at 9th. Oklahoma State at 8th. USC at 7th. Oklahoma at 6, Clemson at 5, Michigan 4, Ohio State 3, Alabama 2, and Georgia 1. Uh, obviously, the big uh, missing team there was Notre Dame dropping from 8th all the way down to unranked. Uh, so, just your thoughts on the updated top 25 here. Yeah, I, I think that Alabama's going to have to start running away with games against teams like Texas if they expect to stay in that top 3 talk. Uh, the only other thing that I would – Say, I mean, two things, I guess. Like you had said, that's going to be a really good top 25 matchup this weekend. Um, and then I think that Penn State, being a Penn State fan, I think they're ranked too early. I, I would see them at like the 27th-ish and and use that as like motivation. I mean, if if they get a win against Auburn and everyone else kind of stays the same with their, their quality this weekend, then I could see them being around like the 22 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But... Personally, I just think that they're ranked too early based on the, the teams that they've played so far. Yeah, I'm an Oregon fan. I think Oregon's ranked too early after we were 10th. We lost to number one. Uh, we got blown out. I think that's the reason we got put back in the rankings is like, mm-hmm. hey, you, you lost to a ranked team, but now they're ranked number one, and we see how good they are. Um, I would argue Marshall deserved to be ranked. I would argue App State deserved to be ranked over us. Uh, you know, Marshall beat the number eight team. App State beat the number six team. Uh, you know, yeah, App State has a loss, and I understand that, but that loss was a very close loss after scoring 40 points in the fourth quarter. You got destroyed on an onside kick, and you gave up a touchdown. You didn't quit. You went right back down and scored, and you were a two-point conversion away from setting it to overtime. Um, but at the very least, I, I would put one of those teams over Oregon just because, like I said, I'm an Oregon fan. I love the fact that we're ranked. But, hey, now, now we have a, a very good BYU team visiting. Let us beat them and then put us in the rankings. Um, again, I, I would argue uh, App State or, or Marshall deserve to be in the rankings ahead of us. But uh, that's over just Pitt. Like... I mean, Pitt, Pitt. Pitt lost this last weekend. They had a good game. I will give it that, that it was a really yeah. good game. But then they also, their win is against West Virginia, which it was another close game like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, th- the reason I can see them leaving Pitt in, even though, yeah, they, they lost a close game, is I feel like when they sat down, they did these rankings like, hey, it was close, but we also understand they just lost their, their starting QB for the first half, and they were still able to stay in it. 
you know, I, I think a lot of people thought when they came out in the second half and Slovis was not dressed, uh, I thought a lot of people went, okay, Tennessee's just going to follow them. Their defense kept them in it. That a deep or that QB, I forget his name. I want to say he's like Kita, um, stepped up and played really well. And then he got injured and he continued to play through the game tying touchdown pass right at the end of the fourth quarter there to force overtime. Uh, so, so I feel like in, in the, the rankers' eyes, they, they sat there and went, okay, yeah, we'll cut down some slack. Now, if they lose to Western Michigan, yeah, there's, there's going to be some questions there. Um, but overall, it's, I, I hate early season rankings because you, you had the preseason where we had Oregon at 10, they got throttled, they got dropped out. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, maybe it wasn't that bad. And now they put them back in. Um, there's a lot of teams that deserve to be ranked that aren't a lot of undefeated teams. That I, I n- try to not get wrapped up in the AP poll too much just because I feel like year in, year out, it's just a crock shit. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. We're going to talk more about this on Saturday. Uh, it'll just be Slade and I on Saturday again. Um, Slade, unless you have a top five. Um, so I, I kind of, it's, it's more of a top three looking at this week's games, the ones we went over, what are your top three games that you're looking forward to watching just based on, I mean, I, I kind of know the one, but what are your other two that you're, you're excited about? Uh, in college? Uh, no, NFL. I figure we'll talk oh, about Oh, NFL. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, yeah, I no, should have clarified. Yeah, but it's okay. Um, yeah, no, the one is definitely the Green Bay-Chicago game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where the pecking order will sit after that um, with you know Green Bay coming off the loss to Minnesota. You could argue it was, it was a surprise win by Chicago over San Francisco, but again, there were, there were so many outside factors in that game, the weather uh, and, and so on. You're going to go into a, a – unless something crazy happens in Lambeau uh, – a 100% neutral game outside of, you know, yeah, you're playing in Lambeau. Um, so I'm excited to see that just from a football perspective, not even the fact that I'm a Bears fan. Uh, the next game I'm excited for is New England at Pittsburgh. Uh, if Mac Jones plays, uh, we are going to get to see if, if Pittsburgh is really going to be a contender for a playoff spot this year. Um, I'm very excited to see that. And the third game, it's very hard for me to decide this. Because um, that. There's a lot of really good games on the slate this year or this week. There's also like a lot of like we have the Bills Titans. Like, yes, yeah, two playoff teams yeah. from last year, but um, I don't think by any means two good playoff teams or one one of them you could argue. I'm completely one... in agreement with your first two, and and my third is is Vikings Eagles, which you had already voiced a lot of reasons as to why that's a, a must see game. But what were you gonna say? I was that's definitely a, a good one. I, the other one I would I would put in there then would be the the Saints Buccaneers. Uh, are the Buccaneers going to show that their offense really does have potential, or are they kind of going to continue to sputter along until Tom Brady finds his groove from missing all the preseason? Um, and can Jameis Winston keep up keep up his performance that we saw in Week One? He looked really really good. We saw it last year. He looked pretty good for the through the first couple games. Uh, and then you, he started to falter, and then he got hurt. You know, can he stay healthy? Can he stay productive? Because if he can, this Saints team is definitely one that that can win the end of a the NFC South. Uh, so I mean, there's a lot of good football on this weekend. And I get, the cool part about the NFL versus college is, I, I guess it's the same as college, but every week can go in, and anybody can lose to anybody. It doesn't matter. Uh, the Bills could go play the Jaguars, and they can lose, just like we saw last year. Um, so, 
on paper, there's a lot of boring matchups, I, I guess I would say, this week. And I, I think it's more so just because of the results we saw out of week one with so many question marks around so many teams still left. But week two is where they kind of start to lay out, like, okay, this is this is the pecking order of the NFL going forward. So it, it's exciting, but at the same time, it, it's just so hard to tell. Like, yeah, this is going to be a really good game. Uh, like, I don't think anybody had Houston and Indianapolis going to overtime and ending in a tie last week. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's the, the, the duality of early season um, NFL games. Uh, that will do it for our show this week. We thank you so much for checking us out. We really appreciate you being here. As always, please go follow our socials uh, at Jack Wagon Sports on Instagram, uh, TikTok, Twitter, all of it. Uh, please go show us uh, some love over there. We would really appreciate it. Um, we will see you Saturday morning. It'll be just be Slade and I, and we'll try and find a guest. It's going to be electric. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, it's something we really enjoy doing. We're glad we finally were able to do it. We're working on bringing you live stream games, uh, you know, all three of us sitting down watching the football game and you guys joining us there. Uh, so once we have that ready, we'll bring that to you as well. Uh, but make sure you join us Saturday for Out of the Tunnel live on our YouTube channel, 8 a.m. Uh, and go back, check out some of the other episodes. And we will see you guys next week on the Jack Wagon Sports Podcast.